But this next one we want to call becoming a wonderful counselor. Because I am looking out at a room full of counselors. Did you know that? And that's where you might be thinking, uh, I haven't been trained. I haven't been certified. Nobody's ever come into my office and sat down in a comfy couch or chair and, you know, shared their problems with me. And that's where I would say, well, most of the counsel that happens in the world doesn't happen in offices. Most of the counsel that happens doesn't come from pastors or certified or licensed therapists or counselors or anything like that. It happens over the phone as you talk to your friend about what's going on in their life. It happens at the coffee shop. It happens over lunch. It happens over texting or chatting or Marco Polo or Instagram or, you know, whatever ways people communicate. So let's get real with this. The question is not, are you a counselor or not? The question is, are you a good counselor or not? Every one of you, I'm sure, in one way or another to somebody is given counsel. The question is, is it any good, right? And, And that's where as a leader, again, it might not, you might not have a formalized position of counseling somebody, but you will be giving counsel. And that's where, um, you know, a church needs to be at that point where it's full of people who can give biblical counsel. And that's not saying that there's not people who do get extra training in that or more expertise in that. And, you know, it's maybe even harder situations can spend more time on that. But let's just look at two verses that I think uh, show us the, the kind of culture we want as a church. First, Romans 15. 14. We referenced both of these last night, but let's look at these again. Romans 15 verse 14 says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. So there's that idea, hey, you are competent. You are able to counsel others. Because you're full of goodness and filled with knowledge. Go to Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, that is a plural in the Greek for you. So if this was the Living Texas translation, it would say, Let the word of Christ dwell in y'all richly right? Because it's, it's plural. Um, that's the idea. It's not just, hey, in you individually, let the word of Christ dwell in y'all, all of you. And what will that look like? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And, and there, even that word admonishing one another, the Greek word nuthateo, that's, that's the Greek word where the modern biblical counseling movement got its old name from. It used to be called Nuthetic Counseling until they realized nobody knows what Nuthetic means. So they just started calling it Biblical Counseling. Um, But that's where that word comes from, uh, right? And even that Greek word means counsel. And even you get the sense helping you to stop doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Um, And so this is something that you could spend the rest of your life getting more formal training on and experience 
in. And there is a, a place, hopefully we have people that have more training and more expertise in these things, but there are ways you all do counsel each other. So as while you're at it, you might as well do well at it. So uh, let me just try to cover some basics as you think through, how do I counsel somebody else? So, I mean, when my friend comes to me, says, man, I'm in a tough spot. What do I do? Or when you are really discipling somebody and leading someone and a situation comes up in their life, what are some things that I can do? So let's go through, excuse me, six things uh, that would be helpful here. And, and the first one is just simply listen. Listen. I mean, one of the things we have come back to again and again is um, don't assume anything, right? You've got to listen. You don't know this person inside and out. You don't know their heart. You don't know all the circumstances. So listen, right? Um, I remember talking or hearing a, overhearing a conversation with a pastor I used to work with who's probably done more counseling than most pastors will do in a lifetime, and an intern was like, hey, what are some of your go-to passages in counseling? Uh, and he said, well, hey, I don't go into a counseling appointment knowing what's going to happen because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the problem is. First thing I have to do is listen because every situation is unique. Sure, there's commonalities and things that will lead us to scripture. But step one is listen. And, and this is where asking a lot of questions is important. Wait, so what happened? How did that happen? How are you feeling about that? Why are you thinking this? Why You need to be asking a lot of questions. And even listening and asking questions will help show that you do not have all the answers. And to be clear, that's not what being a good counselor is all about, having all the answers. Um, hopefully we will get to some answers, but step one really is to listen. And then there's three places I think you should try to get to, not necessarily in this order, maybe not always in every conversation, but three healthy places to try to draw the conversation to is, you know, get to the Bible. And this is where I would say the thing that most people are tempted to do when somebody comes to you and asks you for help with something, the first place we're tempted to go in our minds are, well, how have I dealt with that? And we, we go to our experience. That's for many people, the default of where we go. And I think that's where we need to retrain ourselves from saying, well, how have I dealt with that? To first thinking, well, what does the Bible have to say about that? I think is a more helpful place to go. Not that ever sharing your experience or opinion can't be helpful. No, there, there's times and places that it can, but lots of times that's where we run to and that's where we stay, right? And, and we should first and foremost, try to get to the scriptures. I mean, a lot of counseling, especially as a pastor, but also honestly, the, the things friends are gonna confide in you about, one of the most common things would be marriage. And so if marriage is coming up, and marriage is kind of the subject of the conversation and we're trying to find help and get through that, if we're never going to Ephesians 5 or 1 Peter 3 in the conversation, we're doing it wrong, okay? Because the Bible has specifically told us some important things about marriage and even more specifically, husbands, listen up. Wives, 
listen up. And he tells them to do different things. And so again, first, listen, listen, listen. Uh, you know, understand what's going on. But at some point in the conversation, especially if it is marriage, okay, let's, let's bring it into uh, scriptures. If somebody is confiding into you just anxiety or something that they're really worried about, right? Listen. Uh, but okay, well, what are, what are some of, of the promises of scripture that we can hold on to? In this, And maybe that just, you're sharing one of them to encourage them, right? You're sharing a scripture, hey, this is a really helpful, and that's where maybe experience can help. When I'm anxious, this is a scripture that really helps me. So there are even your experience, you're bringing it to the Bible. Or if somebody is coming to you and dumping, you know, this interpersonal soap opera drama that's going on in their family or their extended family or, or something, okay, at some point, well, what does the Bible instruct us to act? You know, a great passage for a lot of interpersonal things is Romans 12, kind of the latter half of that chapter where it talks about, okay, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Do not repay evil for evil. These are scriptures that we want to get to, right? Another place you want to get to in these conversations is the heart. Get to the heart, Because when people are seeking counsel, uh, they are generally thinking, lots of times they're thinking mostly about their circumstances. But what we need to do is what we do comes from within. And if you want to counsel others, you need to understand that. People do because of what's going on in here. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? It's almost never actually about the circumstances the defining factor will be what goes on in our heart, right? And that's where you want to help them see that and you want to foster the right things in the heart. Let's just put a few words up here that might be helpful to think through. Now remain these three things, faith, hope, and love. These are the things that should be going on in our hearts, right? But maybe some opposites, of some of these things, we deal with doubt. We deal with fear and we deal with selfishness. And oftentimes when we're going through a trial, it's exposing doubt, fear, or selfishness in our heart. And that's where if we only ever talk about the circumstances, we're not going to get to, okay, how do we move away from doubt, fear, and selfishness, and move towards faith, hope, and love, right? How do we see the right things? I mean, I think that's part of why trials are so good. They kind of like the old image in the Bible of refining silver. The heat gets cranked up and the impurities rise to the surface and you can skim off the impurities and what's left is a, a finer piece of silver, And that's where you might, as a counselor, be a part of that lovingly, graciously saying, all right, what are the impurities that are rising to the top? And then what are the biblical opposites, right, that we need to be pursuing of in that, right? Another place we want to get to is we want to get to God. And again, I'm not saying these all in this order, not every single conversation, but these are three places you want to keep 
Coming back to, you want to bring the conversation back to God, his character, who he is, right? Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate expression of God's character. The gospel, he died for our sins, he rose again. This is the heart of what Jesus has done for us. If doubt and fear are a problem in our life, we need more of the character of God in front of us, right? Because that will help us to see, whoa, he is worthy of my faith. He has given me reasons to hope, right? Or even in marriage, what does it do? It points us to God. Hey, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It points you to him. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Hey, pointing us to Christ. Who is he? What has he done for us? Fifth, you want to generally help identify next steps. Identify next next steps. And this is where Colossians 3, which we looked at earlier, if you're still there in verse 16, again, it gives us that paradigm of, hey, put to death, put off these things, put on these things, right? And that's where some of those next steps, that, that will be part of it. Hey, you need to put off these things. You need to put on these things. Let's talk about what some of those things are, right? Ladies, you're talking to one of your girlfriends. They're sharing the hard things about their marriage. You know, hey, let's, let's look at Ephesians 5 or 1 Peter 3. Look at what it says to the, the wife, okay? Well, based on that, if that's the guide, what are some things you, like, hey, your husband's not here. We can't deal with him. Let's, let's talk about you. What are the things you know you're doing that aren't helping? And it, well, let's put those off. And what are the things we can replace that with? Sometimes it might just be a, a practical step. Somebody's making a big life decision, right? And hey, what do I do about this? Okay, well, maybe the next step is to talk to your boss about this or talk to your spouse about this or this family drama that you've got going on. Let's talk through it. Okay, sounds like the next step is this. Sometimes the next step might be, hey, you need more help. And that's where you might say, hey, I'd encourage you. Have you set up, set up a meeting with one of our pastors? Talk to them about this, right? Hey, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm there for you, but this, this might be a helpful thing that's uh, something good to talk about with somebody that's maybe dealt with this more, right? Identify those next steps. And then last, very important, please follow up. Follow up. Don't leave a conversation where you go, yikes, I hope they never bring that up again, right? That, that, can, be, that can be really hurtful to people because sometimes when people do open up uh, to you, um, you know, and they've, they've been vulnerable or like guys we've talked about asking about purity or someone opens up and shares, hey, I'm struggling. You're like, oh, okay, let's talk about that. And then crickets, they never hear from you. You never ask about them again. That, that can be a hard Thing. And so that's where it's important to follow up. But that's where, remember, your goal is not to have all the answers. And it's, you know, really, you, you want to be present to love them, to help them, right? That's, that's what you want to do.
And that's where, yeah, the church needs pastors. We want to be, even we're working on uh, training more in, in counseling, where there's a little more training or expertise in this. I'm not arguing against any of that. I'm just saying there's also ways all of you will give counsel all the time. And we need to make sure that our church has a culture of investing in one another, saying these wise things, getting to these places. And especially if you do start to lead in, in ministry or to lead something like a life group, you need to be prepared to have these kind of, of conversations. Um, so just a, a brief outline again, this doesn't make you all experts, but hopefully this gives you a track to run on is you're talking to your friend or your coworker or your, you know, even you're talking to your spouse or your kids, right? Where we're given counsel all the time. Let's make it good counsel. Let's make it wonderful counsel. Questions on this subject? No? Yes. Right. 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 We've got some things that we're trying to develop, you know, even we'd love to see um, kind of even outside of life groups, more mentor couples emerge in our church where it's like, hey, if there's a couple that's struggling with something, in addition, maybe to pastoral counsel, it's, well, hey, here's a couple that you can connect with that can guide you through some of these things. So this is where, like I'm saying, there's things we're working on to try to develop more formal and more helpful things in our church. Uh, but at the same time, we also want to have everyone have it in mind. So, well, I can't give anybody counsel or advice. No, if, if you think you can't, you're blind to the fact that you are doing it all the time. So yeah, that's a great question. And there are things we're working on with this, but that's also, we, it's kind of a both and approach. Hey, do we need like trained people to accomplish some of these things? Yes. But do we also need a culture where, hey, everyone is able to, to counsel each other in basic ways and, and do what we see in Colossians, teaching and admonishing one another, able to instruct each other. We need kind of both and is the approach we ultimately want to take. Great question. Anything else? All right.